The Right Time is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is Foxworth Friday again. Dominique Foxworth, what's going on? Nothing much, man. Busy as hell, having fun. Football season started. It's a different animal for us at ESPN. Our job gets a lot easier and a lot harder at the same time. Yeah, it does, right? But we got a lot going on here. We got a little non-NFL with Robert Sarver that we're going to get to, but we want to talk about what's happening in the NFL. I did not see the game on Monday night with the Seahawks and the Broncos. Were you surprised Mm -hmm. that Russell Wilson got booed in Seattle? I was surprised, but I wasn't shocked, I guess, is the way I would put it. Um, All the stories started coming out about, I don't know, it it was kind of an organized... um, campaign <laughs> these stories start coming out right before the game and the fans obviously their allegiance is to the team and not to the players i think what shocked me more than anything was it seemed like he don't got no friends man yo like, it's so weird for somebody who is not like not an ass <laughs> you know i could see why people be like he cool i don't really mess with him but i feel like people like actually like actively don't like him which is like i don't know i don't i don't quite get it yo so a couple things there one what i took from them booing him was the fans don't view him as being responsible for the super bowl in the ways that fans typically associate with a quarterback i mean they have been in quarterback heaven basically for the last 10 years by having him right it's very hard to have that sort of thing it's very rare that you got a situation like that and normally even if there's beef there's kind of a hey man we won a super bowl we had a great run with you right we gonna clap to support that one nope they went on the boo thing even if he wanted to be traded right keep it in mind that the seahawks wanted to trade him which is its own fascinating story again because they were in quarterback heaven and they were still like nah dog we don't want no parts of this right here like that part surprised me but the bigger part i think is what you touched on is I've never seen a player, not even Jay Cutler, right, who you played with, never seen a dude where everybody that seemed to be at least part of a certain era was just down on him. Doug Baldwin, all that money you got got a lot to do with playing with Russell Wilson. He had something to say. Richard Sherman, we're not surprised because we had heard this from all those Legion of Boom guys as far back as it went. And you're right. Russell's not an ass. But what seems clear to me, right? And you tell me if I'm wrong here. I was having a conversation with my good buddy, David Dennis, because I saw him on Around the Horn. And his argument was basically that the dudes think Russell is corny. And since they think he's corny, they come in at him. And I'm like, no, 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 Mm -hmm. no, no. This isn't Mm -hmm. the way people like when they think you corny. This is the way people like when they think you phony. Boom. Inauthentic. It was the word that hit me. Yeah, go ahead. And by the way. That is pretty accurate from my experience with Russell Wilson, from just about everything that we've seen with him, with all the different voices that he puts on. Those of you who go back to the right time radio days, hey man, just a small town kid, Richmond, Virginia. He does always seem like he's trying to give people what they want to hear. And so I was making that point to David and David was like, well, 
you think he's any faker or more performative than Ray Lewis? And I was like, yes. Now, oh, yeah. th- well, this is my distinction. And you as somebody who played with Ray, you tell me if I'm wrong here. Ray is performative. Ray is theatrical. But we know who Ray Lewis is, right? Like, I don't think that we would ever deem him as being phony as much as maybe just being a little bit full of himself. I have no idea who Russell Wilson is. I don't think anybody other than maybe Sierra has any idea who Russell Wilson is. Ray Lewis is performative and theatrical for y'all. <laughs> so, like, nobody in our locker room thought Ray was phony, but we would, like, I mean, make fun of him for, like, giving speeches and stuff that he had given to us in private. He's given them a different version of it. Like, we would do do stuff like that. Like, I wasn't making fun of him. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have them stripes, and it's not that's not a problem that I necessarily wanted. But he was, I mean, he's a cool guy. Everyone made fun of him. He was cool with it. He would joke back. But the point was, he was real to us, <laughs> you know? And, and that's the thing about Russ is that surprised me. Being phony, and yeah, I agree with you. It's not because he's corny. It's because he's phony. Many corny guys, I'm cool with corny guys. Corny guys are fine. And even corny guys that you don't like, we just like, eh, that dude corny, and you move on. That's not Russell's thing. What surprised me about the Russell situation is the fans don't like it. Who is he doing this for? Normally, that Derek Jeter act that he's putting on, yeah, that goes over well in places around the world where white people are who are separated from the team. You know what I mean? Like, that's the reason why he's doing it. I I, um, I was about to say I don't hate I hate to make this racial, but everything is kind of at least the way I view the world has some race involved in it. And that's part of why I would assume. I mean, that that's the that's the pass I would give Russ initially if I was on his team and Russ is doing all this corny stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know what you got to do, brother, to get them to accept you. You doing your thing. That's fine. But they don't even accept you. So who are you doing it for? Yo, so this is the thing to me. If you were going on the angle of race, right, which I see no reason to discount because we live in this country. This something I done figured out about white people in my travels. They really don't like fake black people because they always skeptical of us in the first place, Right. And so once white people feel like a black person is phony, it goes on to a whole nother level because none of them are viewing it in the context that you are, which is, hey, man, you got to do what you got to do to get by in this game or whatever. That's not how they think about us. That's not how they think about anything that it is. Like Charles Barkley always said, you might as well just be you because somebody not going to like it no matter what it is that you do. Charles is the perfect example, though. Charles Barkley, Snoop Dogg, Ice Mm -hmm. Cube. Like authenticity wins out, man. It, like what you can do, I learned or I made this decision, I think, when I was in the seventh grade and my clothes were, they were good, but they weren't fly as the next guy. I wasn't cute as the next guy. I decided I'm going to be great at something. <laughs> That's what's going to work for me. You know, like, because that wins out. If you are good, you can be any type of ass you want. You can be your real <laughs> self. You be, then become like interesting. You know, like they gave um, Marshawn Lentz's whole post career is based on the fact that he was really good and also authentic. I, I feel like authenticity is the way to go at all times. And I don't know, maybe he don't know himself or maybe because it's not, I don't know. It's just weird to me that it's not working and he's still doing it. <laughs> I think we thought it was working. I think maybe yeah. he thought it was working, but yeah. no, the, the, 
it was one thing when it was the guys on defense, right? The Doug Baldwin thing was the one that really jumped out to me because I got it with the defense guys, right? It's the same mm-hmm. way those dudes in Philly were about Donovan McNabb, where they felt like they were the ones that were carrying the team and got them to where they were, and they felt like the quarterback got too much credit. But in the case of the Seahawks with Wilson, the defense did get all the credit. Nobody thought that Russell Wilson was the reason that they were doing this. And I wondered, I mean, think about this. Seattle fans booed him and they got Geno Smith to replace him. And we know how people feel about yeah. Geno Smith, right? Like yeah. we, we, we know the way it is that people have talked about him from the beginning. The thing that gets me about Pete Carroll in this, the idea, I think I was reading this in the athletic, right? His belief that you just need a quarterback to not get in the way is so antiquated. Like the idea that he thinks that you're going to get this done with a quarterback that can't make plays because I'm not nearly as down on Geno as other people were. And I think that people have been largely unfair to him throughout his career. Y'all sat out here and clapped when that dude got his jaw broke when he got sucker punched, right? That completely Mm -hmm. derailed what might've been the beginning of his career getting back to, you know, getting to where it could have been, right? Everybody had all those problems with him, but Geno ain't a dude that's going to go out here and, elevate your team above the plays that are called or above the level of talent that you happen to have they had a guy who could do that because there are lots of criticisms to have a Russell Wilson as a quarterback notably holds the ball too long takes too many sacks all that stuff totally Mm. fair to say about him but he a hell of a lot better than Geno Smith and they was booing the man that Geno Smith just replaced who does that yeah that's the thing that really gets me and there has to be I mean, it's not just inauthenticity. It's also the allegiance to the organization over the human. Because it's not even that the Super Bowl that they won, he was the quarterback. It's the years. You know, like, I I think we, in sports media in general, we have the rings culture. But in a city, normally, it don't matter. Like, it changes if you win a championship. But if you bring them happiness and memories and enjoyment over a course of a period and you like are the embodiment of the team which Russell became that's what that's what blows my mind about the booing is like all right the breakup was ugly but it seemed like the equation that we normally do is like were the good times good enough you know and it seemed like the good times with Russell were Great. Like, that's what is weird to me about this whole situation. And maybe I'm sure at some point when he retires, they'll come back and they'll do all the stuff. They'll put him in the ring of honor and they'll cheer for him and give him the montage. But I guess I shouldn't be surprised because he forced his way out. And oftentimes when guys come back and they celebrate him, they haven't forced their way out. But you're right. They wanted to trade him, too. That's what I'm saying. Like, like it, it, he didn't really have to try that hard mm-hmm. to get himself out of there. And that's a Hall of Fame level of quarterback. Yep. A Hall of, I mean, look, Matthew Stafford forced his way out of Detroit. They ain't boo him mm-hmm. for that, right? They, they, it, 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 I was stunned by all of it. And then I wonder how Russell Wilson feels that he's like, yo, man, let Russ cook. And they like, let's kick a 64-yard field goal. You went through all of that to wind up on a team that had a fourth and five and looked at you and said, nope, 64-yard field goal on the road in perhaps the most fearsome environment that you could have as a visiting player. What? Oh, gosh. I mean, I'm sure people, sports fans, have heard that last sequence broken down ad nauseum, so we don't have to go through it again. But if you're going to do 
the wrong thing, at least do the wrong thing the right way. They like if you're going to choose to kick the field goal, kick it fast, call a timeout so that you can preserve the clock. They did everything wrong from start to finish. And then that man started calling timeouts when they was trying to nail it. What are you <laughs> doing? And then he came out and gave the the worst apology possible where he's like, I ain't or we didn't make it. So we should have gone for it. No, 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 no. You haven't learned anything. Like you should not, you should let the other coaches handle practice for the next couple of weeks. And you need to just sit in your office and watch fourth quarters and pause it. What would I do right now? <laughs> Let's do it again. What would I do right now? Because it, it, I will give you, all right, first time head coach, that, that's inexcusable for this situation. It's like a quarterback coming out there and like, I don't really know how to throw the ball. Like, no, okay. Like, you don't get excuses for your first time of that. I would excuse it if it were, like, an incredibly uncommon situation. This was run-of-the-mill. Like, so run-of-the-mill that everybody at home was calling timeouts. I had people texting me who don't really know much about football, like, what is he doing? And Peyton Manning don't want to offend nobody. He couldn't help himself. <laughs> well, well, he don't want to offend nobody, but Peyton Manning can't help himself. Like, what they Peyton Manning can't do is let you do something stupid in his face and him not mention the fact that he's stupid. This is the comparison for me. And maybe you've seen this. I did not see this comparison. But one of the luckiest wins that we have ever seen in the NFL took place last season. I'm talking about when the Ravens were losing to the Lions and brought Justin Tucker, the greatest kicker perhaps in the history of the NFL out there, for a 66-yard field goal, and he made it. He kicked it, it bounced off the crossbar, went over, okay? But there was no other option at that point. It was in a dome, and again, maybe the greatest kicker in the history of the league. You brought Brandon McManus, who seems like a nice enough guy, but is not the greatest kicker ever, for a 64-yard field goal on the road outdoors. Tucker was also on the road, but still. He ain't Justin Tucker, and you said to yourself, in the face of another option, yeah, we're going to go ahead and try that. Who does that with? And and again, remember this. The kicker is the least trustworthy person on a football team. You're asking a lot of them just to make regular kicks, let alone something that like two people have ever done. It's like you're um, in an apartment building and like you get like a little grease fire on the oven. <laughs> like you should address that. You should spray with a fire extinguisher or let's say if it engulfs the kitchen, but not the whole apartment. You need to get out the front door and go downstairs as quickly as you can. No, they sat there and waited for the entire apartment to be on fire so that they could then jump out the window. Like, you didn't have to jump out the window. You made yourself, you put yourself in this situation, right? Like, we saw this coming. Call a timeout, man. But yeah, that's one of those things. But Nathaniel Hackett higher in general, like, I think it was about trying to attract Aaron Rodgers, right? Like, originally, he was his coordinator in Green Bay, and that's what it was about. But hiring head coaches is a, a fraught endeavor that is mishandled all the time. And they're testing for the wrong things. Like, just because your dude is a great offensive coordinator, a great defensive coordinator, don't mean he know how to be a head coach because the job is entirely different. And he was never calling plays before. 
But this time he calling plays and he managing the game and doing both quite poorly, I might add. Yeah, Denver's going to be interesting because they, I mean, they were a roster waiting on a quarterback, right? And Hackett, correct me if I'm wrong, he's kind of of that Shanahan Kubiak school of Mm -hmm. things, right? I wonder how Russell Wilson going to feel when he realized, you know what those guys like to do? Run the ball, right? And by the way, I think the best way to use Russell Wilson is to run the ball a lot and then have him make big plays on top of the running, right? Use the fact that he can move. My concern with Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson, 33 years old, been taking 45 sacks a year for 10 years. I got, I'm, and has not been nearly as good the last couple of years as he had been previously. And I don't think that people really like kept a watch on that one. And so... I want to see how they deal with each other. Because again, Russ got to be salty with the way that they played it with him. He can't be happy with the idea that they did what they did in the last minute of that game. He got to be mad as hell, just like everybody else would be mad as hell about that one. And Russell Wilson, hey man, as we've seen with Seattle, how well he gets along with everybody is debatable. Yeah, I they were thirsty for a quarterback in Denver. So they're going to give him a little bit of leeway, I think, for a while. Yeah. But I also was, like, I I'm not cool enough to pull off some of the looks that players do which is fine so i'm not sure if russell's tuxedo his like shimmery tux look was whack or he had it on because it's it's the latter it's the latter that suit was clean as hell y'all just thought it was whack because it was him that suit was clean Thanks for clearing that out for me. It had that good shine to it, like that light green sort of thing. With the oh no, I thought that he killed it. If it wasn't him, yeah, I had that was my question, and it's not even that like he don't got the demeanor to pull it off. It's also like you and I are fortunate in this, like we're kind of lean guys, and you're tall, so mm-hmm. like clothes look good on you, you know, <laughs> like. Russell, like, kind of built like a fullback. He has a square body and a square <laughs> shimmery green suit. It's like, nah, man. And then giving them lame quotes. And yeah, and he could, he should marry his attire with his demeanor. Like, you're not a shimmery shoe guy. Sim- but, what, suit but, guy. But, but what is his? We don't know. Maybe he is. We don't know what I mean, we, we, what we did not know was that he would ever wind up married to a woman whose middle name was Princess. But here we are. Now, aren't we? He is yeah. he is an in-law of the field mob. None of us ever thought that that was going to happen. Like the most unlikely development in the NFL in my whole life is Russell Wilson turning up with Sierra. And yes, no, I did not. Forget about just Sierra, right? I, I'm thinking of blue. I, I'm trying to think of the right person to make the comparison without saying it all the way out loud. I'm not sure exactly which one it is that I thought he would wind up with, but I ain't think it'd be none of them, let yeah. alone Sierra. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you have to say it all the way out loud. If people need it spelled out for them, then it ain't for them. I am more surprised that Russell Wilson ended up with Sierra than I am that Steve Sarkeesian married a woman named L'Oreal. How about oh, that? Yeah, the Sark thing shocked me when I discovered that. And that's way less shocking than when Russell Wilson turned up with Sierra. <laughs> None of us saw that. None of us did. None of us. It ain't got nothing to do with future. It ain't got uh-uh. nothing to do. It's got everything to do with her middle name is Princess. Think of every woman you know with Princess anywhere on her birth certificate. How many of them do you think Russell Wilson was stepping to? There was a girl in my middle school. First name was Princess. You think she she she, she, she go wind up with Russell Wilson? She broke as hell, and she wouldn't give Russell Wilson the time of day. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, 
yo, Russ bring it out of people though. Like when everybody's like, oh man, she only with him because she because he got money. She ain't only with him because he got money, but she wouldn't be with him if he didn't have money because she got money. She don't feel like paying for everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's something ain't like McKen- ain't too many Mackenzie Scotts in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like my my homeboys from home. Once I started playing in the league or whatever, or even going to college, make fun of me. Cause like they're like, well, girls only messing with you cause like this or whatever, and try to give me a hard time, and I'll be like, so, <laughs> like, so, like it's it's part of the package, and like it, back before I was comfortable enough to say so, I'd be like, well, honestly, like all the women that I've ever like been around, like they like confidence, and I'm confident, and part the reason why I'm confident is because I'm really good at something. So why don't you bums get good at something or fake some confidence? Because that's what it boils down to. Most of the time you see people in a mismatch uh, when the guy is 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 um, punching above his weight class. The guy is plenty confident. I don't know where it's coming from, even if he don't got no money. It's just about confidence. And Russ gives off. If nothing, Russ comes off as, well, I guess, the phoniness but, but, suggests but, but, some insecurity, but he projects confidence. But here's the thing for me, when they be like, yeah, they only with you because da-da-da. Well, what they with you for? <laughs> what, what, the, what, 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 what is this thing that you're offering that you ain't got to have no bread, you ain't got to yeah. have this, you ain't got... Look, we all getting it how we live. <laughs> Whatever it happens to be, that's how we getting uh, it, uh, period. That's the thing. I ain't got no reason to hate on Russell Wilson. Like I said, I've covered that dude since he was a redshirt freshman at NC State, right? Like I've been around this. I've seen this. I known what the things are. His coach didn't now. His coach didn't like him in college. And we blame that largely on the coach, which was fair because Russell wasn't his guy. But then it continued as we went on. And I've just, I've just never seen anything like this. Now, my man David makes a good point, though, and he's right. His cats is coming at Russ because they can get away with it. They ain't doing this to other quarterbacks, right? He ain't the first quarterback that everybody didn't like, but they coming for him. He ain't the only one in the league right now that not every that everybody don't like. I sent you a text about one of them a little bit earlier, and it's realer than you'd ever imagine with that other dude. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Like that's he's the type of guy that you better. Be balling hold out. Up, hold up, hold up. Play the music. Play the music. Thank you for your patience. A representative from the right time will be with you shortly. Your current hold time is 15 seconds. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. And spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. 
Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. While we on the NFL, before we get to Sarver, I want to hit you right quick. We got Ravens-Dolphins this week, and I am very fascinated by the Dolphins because, as I've always said, Tua Tungavailoa, if I told you that he was from Louisiana, you would not believe that boy was from Hawaii or nothing else uh, Polynesian. Um, look at that haircut. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, mm-hmm. hey, hey, that, that, that they, they, would, they would have a different word for him down in Louisiana, and he's coached by Mike McDaniel, who told us he used to go three, four days without getting a shower. But, but, but they say he black which is not really a, like an overlap that you don't see very often. On the other side, Lamar, run me my coins, Jackson, who props to him. If they only offered him 133 guaranteed, nope, we are going to come back and we going to do this later. How yeah. about that? Yeah. I don't know what the yeah. Ravens are thinking, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I mean, they. Uh, this is the, this is post-Aussie Newsome, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Like, I think the Ravens get a lot of goodwill and a lot of like we defer to them, their judgment because of their track record of making really great decisions. I know Ozzy is um, a consultant there now and DaCosta's taken over and their offseason decisions, most of them seem consistent with the way that they've always done things, which is very smart. But this one don't seem smart to me. Pay that man his money. You and I are both now team Josh Allen, right? Like we have oh, yeah, won us sure. over. We have come around. Josh Allen hasn't really done anything. Lamar Jackson has not. Josh Allen is no more important to his franchise than Lamar Mm -hmm. is. I think Josh Allen has two playoff wins on his ledger. Lamar Jackson has one. Now, maybe one of those with Josh was over Lamar Jackson. Yes, we understand that. But you get my point here. Like, There's no reason that Buffalo would be so much more into Josh Allen than Baltimore is into Lamar Jackson. I'll let you argue about which one of them is better than the other. I'm not getting into that part. I'm just saying that if you're Baltimore, you're going to have to pay him. Like if somebody had to pay Kirk Cousins, you're going to have to pay him. So why don't you just go ahead and pay him? Because all the number going to do is go up. Exactly. That ain't the question. The question isn't, do you want to pay Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson? We can have that debate if that was an opportunity, but that's not the choice. The question is, do you want Lamar Jackson or do you want to try to find another quarterback? And I understand they still have him under control for what two more years of franchising after this one. However, why signing Russell Wilson when he got to um, Denver immediately was smart is because Yes, you might be on the high end today, but the sooner you sign them up, the sooner you got a good deal because you signed, you got uh, Russell till 2027 on 2022 dollars. The longer you wait, the more expensive Lamar is going to get and the closer he is going to get more leverage he gets. And if you are worried about him getting injured, which I don't really think Lamar is at any higher risk than just about anybody else. I understand he runs the ball more, but lots of quarterbacks get hurt. And most of them get hurt standing in the pocket when they are not preparing to be hit. Like Lamar Jackson runs the ball. Yeah, he gets hit occasionally. He really doesn't get hit that hard. He's not out there acting like Josh Allen was on week one where Josh Allen had a vendetta 
Josh <laughs> Allen was trying to make us all pay. And poor Jalen Ramsey died for all of our sins. Yes, he did. Oh, man. But I'm, so, I'm sorry, Jalen Ramsey. I just wasn't sold early. My bad. Yeah, you know. had to take that for us. I apologize to Jalen Ramsey, too, because Josh Allen was doing that to all of us. <laughs> um, but the Lamar Jackson thing is like, even if you were concerned about him, his productivity later on in his career, then sign him now. Like you're going to get in a situation where three years from, or two years from now, you're going to sign him to a long-term deal. Then when he might start like having to rely more on his arm than he has to now. So none of it makes sense to me. The only part of it that makes sense from the Ravens standpoint is if Lamar was demanding to match the Deshaun Watson deal, I think I fully understand why he would do that. And I would stand behind him and support him in doing that. But also I imagine myself uh, as DaCosta, the GM. And I'd be like, just cause the Browns did something stupid. Yo. Don't mean I'm going to do something stupid. Yesterday's price is not today's price. Like, that's what that really comes down to is they right. like, look, man, I feel where you're coming from. People got a misunderstanding about how, like, the market being set works. That's not really how it goes. Like, nobody's obligated to be like, well, you gave it to him. Now you got to give it to this guy, especially when, and I think this is the part that gets lost, as I understand it, the Browns were bidding against themselves. Like, the market did not dictate the Deshaun Watson contract in the ways one would think. Jimmy Haslam dictated that contract and the whole league is mad at him. And so they not go wind up letting that happen where I look at it from the Raven standpoint, where it's confusing is you've done everything you can to set up something where people don't question this man, right? Like you've done everything you can to make it where you show this organization is behind him. They did that thing where you got a black quarterback. So you get another black quarterback behind him. So that people don't come out here asking for the backup because that's what they do. They, if you put a white dude behind a black dude, that white man going to be the most popular person in town. He even going to be popular at the black people club. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like this is the way that goes. You've done everything you can to empower and make people know that this is Lamar's team. And then you don't want to wind up giving them the bread. I don't get that. I want to hit this with you with what's going on with the NBA and Robert Sarver and the report that came out. Now, I read the whole report yesterday. Okay. First of all, we're real locked in on the race thing, the sexual harassment Mm -hmm. stuff, which, by the way, hits all the genders. Well, at least two of them. He hits males. He hits females in the ways that he is. They said that man, some dude was on his knees and that man pulled down his underwear in front of him. What? You said, huh? What the? And let me tell you this. That's one of those. If he did that to a woman, he wouldn't have no job. Right. Like the idea is just like, oh, he joking. And see, that's how I know it. White people writing them reports, because anytime I hear about people joking like that, it's only white people. White people be talking all kinds of stuff about the jokes that they do and that, hey, man, I was passed out and they took pictures of that dude um, making tea on my face and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, ho, 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 ho. Hey, hey, never seen that on the South Side. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, like that, hey, that, that, that right there is a little bit different. But I read through it and I had two thoughts. One, they're too locked in on the idea that he didn't do it with racial animus, as though the animus is the only thing that matters. At some point, what you do matters more than what it is that you tried to do. But I go to the other part, and this is the question I have for people who are looking at it and say the NBA didn't do enough. What can they do? 
Because Silver's right. They don't have the right to take his team from him. If they had taken this to the board or taken this to the owners to vote on, it would have been more embarrassing because the owners would have been looking at themselves. Like, look at what happened with Mark Cuban and the environment that they had over there in that team. And if you haven't looked up the weird Donnie Nelson situation, you up on that one? Mm -mm. Where Donnie Nelson accused someone in the Mavericks organization of making an untoward advance. I think it was to his nephew or somebody that was in his family. And I think he, you know, it, it 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 got ugly, but they wound up making Donnie Nelson some crazy offer to stay as the president of the team that is way higher than anybody else ever would have paid him in a way that my man Ethan Strauss fairly asked, was this supposed to be hush money in the way this goes? And so you have all the stuff that happened with the Mavericks before. You got Mark Cuban and, you know, the time he told Kenya Martin's mama that her son was a thug, which is hard to argue, did not come from a place of racial animus and everything that goes there. And that man not only got to keep his team, wasn't nobody really talking about taking his team in that way. They weren't going to be able to take Robert Sarver's team from him. I don't know. I just don't know what people think the NBA can do under those circumstances. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the the crux of the things that I've been saying about this the whole time is you can't have these people policing themselves like that's yeah. frankly what it is like it's of course they're not gonna take his team from him because they don't want to open it up and Sarver out here threatening to go snitch too they, mm-hmm. they don't want to open themselves up to that same level of expectation and um Adam Silver works for them man like they vote on whether he has his job or not when his term is up he got to make sure that they like him and so getting rid of somebody like that requires them to willingly walk away because we saw that with Jerry Richardson. We saw that with um, Donald Sterling. It's like they sold their team. They didn't have their team taken from them. They sold it. <laughs> and Sterling, remember, Sterling didn't walk away. They took control of that team away from him and gave it to his wife. And she was like, people will steal from their brother. She was like, how many billions? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. I just, I I see it all. To me, it's like a disheartening metaphor in all of this, man, that what can we do with these rich people, right? Like they can come out here. They can come out here, they can act bad unless everybody's going to quit their jobs. And it's tricky because there's only 30 of these, right? Unless everybody's going to quit their jobs or all the players are going to decide they're not going to go deal with him. I don't know what solution you think that anybody could really have that ends with Robert Sarver not being the owner of the Phoenix Suns. I tell you what I thought was funny. I don't know if you saw that part where in the beginning of the report, the lawyers apparently put in like, hey, well, here's what Sarver had to say for himself, right? And it was all of his, I love the blacks type stuff. And one of them was that he is on the board for the National Foundation of Policing's, uh, they they got some committee on racial fairness in policing. And he tried to put that out there as evidence that he has no animosity toward black people. And I'm like, dog, this is not the example that I, I don't, I don't think this is going over though, the way that you think it is, but it's also a metaphor for this, right? And like it, it ties to this. You ain't expecting the police force to go fix racism. And you saying you on the board for some police organization that's supposed to fix racism. We're looking at that and rolling our eyes. That's the same situation that we're looking at from the NBA. Like these guys that are in charge. We always talk all this noise about NFL owners, but you know how they are. You know how they are. Why do you think NBA owners are any different? Finally, finally. Like I, 
Um, I was saying this and no one wanted to hear it. Um, I forgot what the other things were, but there was like a, a run of Adam Silver, like progressive decisions. And I think Sterling was the final one. And people were like, he's the most progressive owner. He's so smart and thoughtful. We love Adam Silver. And to be clear, Adam Silver is very likable. I've had many conversations with Adam Silver and I do like him. I believe he and I agree on a lot of on most issues around society and race and progressive um, values, but he ain't in charge. And people was wrapping themselves in this Adam Silver thing. And my position mostly came from like, he's listening to the players. He cares cares about the players. Wait till CBA negotiations roll around. (laughs) He's not looking out for them. And I was concerned because when I first had this feeling, I was at the MBPA and I was very concerned about Adam Silver becoming this public champion for goodness because all that goodwill that he was getting, he going to cash it in on y'all eventually where he going to go out and say, our teams are losing money. Uh, mm-hmm. Owners can't run this way. And people going to believe him because he's Adam Silver and he's so progressive. But like, I don't know. I don't want to. I certainly don't want to um, criticize him individually, but he's in a system that <laughs> works the way it works. So chill out. Look, man, there's no I, I have no gripe with him about this at all. Me either. Because I just I just don't think I don't think there's anything that he could do. Like he said in the press conference, like I don't have the right to take this man's team away. I would like to refer everyone to the Declaration of Independence. And Declaration of Independence says that we are bestowed with three inalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, things I learned while doing high school debate, that is an adaptation of John Locke, I believe is from the Second Treatise of Government. But in the Second Treatise of Government, the line is not life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is life, liberty, and property. And philosophically, the pursuit of happiness is treated like a synonym for property. Those are substitutable terms. I bring that up to say property rights are the most inalienable in this society. More is done to protect and establish property rights than anything else. When you study economics and political economy in particular, uh, so much of that is about protecting property rights. And the idea that the protection of property rights is what is necessary for a fully functioning economy. People need to believe that they have the, you know, all these things that go along with it. You not, they not going to let you take stuff from people. They can like do what it takes to destroy this, like to tear it down and make it to where don't nobody want it, but they not going to let you take somebody's stuff. And in a situation like a league that only has 30 teams, they also only going to go so far, but to let you tear that team down because everybody else eats off that team. Everybody's got road dates off of that team. Everybody gets TV money off of that team. They not going to let you do that. That's not going to be what it is. And so, yeah, if you like, well, they need to go take his team. Roll your ass up there and try to take that team and see what happens. You can roll up there with the Delta Force, the Drop Squad, whoever it is that you want, man. You ain't about to walk out of that office with the team. You got a better chance. No, I don't want to say that because people already tried it and I don't want to give them no ideas. Anyway, (laughs) you got other people that you can run up on and you got a better chance of walking out of there to CEO than you do decide we just going to take the team from this guy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, the powerful and the, the I mean, I was going to say the rich, but I feel like rich is not even the word for this level of wealth. But I mean, it's it's kind of our society as a, well, as a whole. So like I, I proposed that they should have like some external judges that are voted on by the PA and the league that decide player or excuse me, that decide um, uh, 
discipline for team governors and owners and those things because like this is just it's never going to be fair so i i'm with you i'm not arguing that they should take his team but i do believe that when you have the amount of money and power and influence that some of these guys have you don't get to do the same things and there should be a higher expectation not a lower one and it's weird because like there's lower expectations and lower responsibility for them than it is for the players, which doesn't make sense to me. But this is where I think that report makes a big mistake to me. They are making the argument that none of these egregious things that Sarver did, and I'm not, again, the stuff with with women and the way that he talked to pregnant women, because I didn't mention that enough earlier. I apologize. I don't want to skip that over. But the, the, the things he said to pregnant women are walking up to the woman and asking her if she got to upgrade because she had a breast augmentation and all of these kinds of things, right? This seemed like a terrible place for women to work in a way that it was... Like he sounded like he said a bunch of stuff that'd be annoying if you black, right? Mm-hmm. But not not nearly as out the box as it seemed to be on a lot of the things um, that related to gender, right? But they kept making the case that none of his actions were caused by racial animus, but what they never provided was any counterfactuals. So what I want to know about this was Silver. If you wanted to make the case to me that he wasn't behaving with racial animus, you need to make the case that he had asked to everybody and they did not make that case. Like it seemed very clear that the things that he did with regards to women were about an animus toward women because he did not do things in a similar fashion. Well, I guess I can't say he didn't do things in a similar fashion with men because he was asking dudes if they shaved their testicles. So maybe right, let me let me stop that one, right? But I didn't hear no stories about him screaming at white people. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to make the point that the way he behaved toward black people was not about racial animus, you need to demonstrate to me that the way he behaved toward them is the same as the way that he behaved toward white people. And that I did not see in the report. I was thinking off the top how they started the report with him defending himself, essentially. That'll never work. That's a waste of paper. That's never going to work. That's a waste of paper. Now I realize they should have went the other way. They should just go all in on him, talk about all the stuff he's done to everyone in his life. Then he's like, no, I'm just a jerk. Right. But it's but then there's a case. Right. And that 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 part I did not see in that. And I thought that that was like a structural flaw in the whole thing. Right. Like if you want to make a real criticism of this, I think that's the one, because if you can establish to me that he treats white people the same way then, oh, okay, we can keep it moving. That part jumped out to me um, in looking at the report. The other thing I wondered, this man is CEO of a bank. Like the thing that got me about Donald Sterling and those of you who heard what I said on Dan Levitard's show many years ago about that, I was like, I don't give a damn about nothing you talk about Donald Sterling right now. All this other stuff that he did that actually affected people's lives, right? The housing discrimination and everything else. That was the stuff and everybody let that slide. I would love to know what would happen if somebody did a deep look at the Western Alliance Bank and their lending practices. I looked it up, somebody suing them, but anybody can sue. That doesn't mean anything. Get, get me to there, right? You, 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 that's where you go find out what the real deal is with Robert Sarver. Less about what he did with this team, but what he did with that team where he actually made his money, where he actually made his bones. That's where you're going to find out the interesting stuff, but don't nobody want to do that because then you might get some answers that make people uncomfortable. I appreciate that you, uh, bringing up all this stuff because like I get hung up sometimes on things that are like weird and I want to explain to me mm-hmm. and forget to dive into all this other stuff. But like I'm on the Internet, I know like some people are into different things. That's fine. But I'm going to need somebody to explain to me 
what you get out of showing pictures of your spouse to other people. I don't get it. I don't like, I understand like the pride that comes from people and things that are associated with you being outstanding. Like I get that, Mm -hmm. but there's my wife. You don't need to see no pictures of my wife. (laughs) Not like that. By the way, it's also very clear, man, they hate Rich Paul. It's, it's so clear they hate Rich Paul. And by the way, it's also so clear Earl Watson told it all. Like, they, I mean, it doesn't explicitly say where it's Earl Watson, but you can tell. The, like, that's Earl Watson. Earl Watson was sitting in there like, he like, Weebay, you give me another one of them, uh, another one of them fish sandwiches. I talk all night long. Extra horseradish, baby. Ridiculous. And then you got the poor, the guys who are on, who work for the team now. Like having to come out and and Chris Paul, for this man, Chris Paul, Chris Paul, yeah. you're right back at it, James Jones. You got to do it, Monty Williams. All yeah. y'all, y'all got it, man. Look, no comment, no comment. All we got yeah. is no comment. We thought that the Nets media day was gonna be a hoot. Uh, that one down there is Frank Kaminsky still on the team. I want to hear the them type. talk to him. <laughs> I want I want to hear them talk to him yeah. about all of this stuff. But look, that is Dominique Foxworth. Check him out on the Dominique Foxworth Show twice a week here on ESPN. Check that podcast out. He and my man, Charlie Kravitz. Love what you guys are doing out there. Make it happen. Also, check him out on Anscape. Get up. Debatable. First take. You be everywhere, dog. Glad to have you here. Thank you so much. I got to figure out how to make this version of myself on my own podcast. This yeah. is, we, we haven't perfected it yet. It's good. It's not great, but we, don't, we haven't gotten to it yet. We're going to get to it. I appreciate y'all sticking with me, though. You'll be there, man. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. We do this here once a week for a little while longer. Gabe Bassane and Adi Khan handling things behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Also, thank you guys for watching us on YouTube. Remember, follow The Right Time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.